0: and welcome to the Friday Night Ohio podcast here at the Canton Repository. It's another late night, and I'm your host, Cliff Hickman. I'm here with Mike Popovich. How are you doing, Mike? Good morning. And we also have Chris Easterling on the line from the Maslin Independent. Chris, how are you holding up over there?
1: Uh, I'm still here, still
0: kicking. That's. Uh, I think we can all say that. And uh, we're going to lead things off with you tonight. A really packed uh, schedule tonight in the area. You had Maslin and the Tigers get the 41-22 to win over Reynoldsburg. It looked like that was a pretty hotly contested game early.
1: Yeah, I think one thing that Maslin has really shown the last couple of weeks is being a really good second-half team team. Uh, I know their last two opponents have a combined one win, but this Reynoldsburg team had uh had played upper Arlington and Huber Heights Lane to a combined three points in in the in the losses uh the margins for those two games, so they were a really good team coming in just as you know winless and you know it's nine three mass on a half. And then Reynoldsburg goes down, gets gets the lead at ten to 9 their middle of the third quarter, and that's when they kind of turn around. T.M. Beasley brings uh, the subsequent kickoff back, eighty one yards for a touchdown, and then it just sort of turns into the Will Hartson show. It. Uh, you know, he rushes for like a hundred and fifty of his two hundred and twenty eight uh, rushing yards in the in the second half. Uh, and, uh, you know, they just sort of pull away from there. It's, uh, you know, I think each each week, uh, you know, this team just gets better and better. And, you know, a win like this is huge for them because they kind of go into a big stretch ahead with uh, At Warren next week, uh, home game with St. Edwards, and that's a road game against a really good Austin pitch team after that. So for, for the Tigers to be 2-1 by right at this point, uh, that, it's pretty good for them.
0: Especially with all the turnover at key positions, you talked about going into that first week for Maslin. Uh, what stood out to you for the Tigers tonight?
1: Well, I, I guess you got to start with Will Trawhartson, uh, and uh, he picked a heck of a night to have a big night because Ohio State running backs running backs coach uh, Tony Alford was uh, was at Paul Brown Tiger Stadium tonight. To, to kind of take a peek at him. And, uh, you know, he only rushes for – all he did was rush for 223 yards, two touchdowns on 28 carries. So, not not not, not a bad showing uh, with the Buckeyes in in, in the building. So, uh, you know, it starts with – but, you know, you would look at it and you'd look at the yardage that Reynoldsburg, Reynoldsburg put up in the uh, – in the air with uh, with Dijon uh, Jennings, uh, you know, two, throwing for 270 yards. But really I thought Maxwell's defense did an exceptional job of kind of limiting the number of number of big plays they were able to get. And that, was, that helped them get Reynoldsburg off the field. And, you know, it, it's sort of surprising, you know, the defense is where a lot of the returnees aren't for Maslin. They have a lot of new faces on their defense, They for Austin Brawley. And their defense, through three weeks, has played exceptional football for the Tigers. And, uh, you know, Brawley, uh, you know, he's, he's been big as the one returning starter. He had a pick-six tonight. So, you know, it, it's just all sort of coming together for, you know, they have the, they had the talent, you know, coming into the season. I, I think you know Nate Moore thought this was a talented football team. It was just young and inexperienced. Well, three games in, you know, it, it played one of the best teams in the state. Week one, the last two teams haven't been that, but they've taken care of business. And I think this team is sort of where they expected it to be, you know, going into week four.
0: And speaking of uh, other teams in the area active here in week three, the Lake Blue Streaks were back in action where Akronese beat reporter Mike Popovich was at, his third time seeing them this season. And, uh, Mike, how was it? We see Lake pulling off
2: a 14-2 to victory there. Yeah, I'm going to be... I wanted to be Marcus uh, Hayes' sports information director, you know, after seeing East all these times. I think this will probably be the last one. But, uh, yeah, Lake was back in action this week, uh, missing last week's game at Maple Heights because of uh, COVID protocols. And uh, uh, I was kind of uncertain how many, uh, you know, how many players uh, Lake might be without still uh, going into tonight's game, and uh, head coach Dan DeGeorge estimated uh, you know they were down to you know 13 players still having to uh, quarantine. But you know a week ago at this time you know there was 30 out, so it's a lot better, and they were able to play the game, and uh, you know great performance I thought by Lake's defense against a, a really uh, talented uh, accurate East offense, even though uh, they're. Their star receiver, Eric Holly, who had suffered an ankle injury last week against Perry, was was pretty much limited. He only caught one pass in this game. But uh, Lake's defense was able to force uh, three turnovers, uh, including one interception by Ty Miller. And he uh, also caught a touchdown or two touchdown passes, I should say, from uh, Cale Jarvis, uh, including one on the uh, first drive of the game that gave Lake a 7-0 lead. So Lake's defense looked really good. Um, The offense, you know, as uh, head coach Dan DeGeorge said, you know, it looked like, you know, a a team that, you know, had not played last week. I think they still need to get, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, needing guys back or whatever, uh, still, uh, you know, to kind of get that cohesiveness back uh, from from not playing. But, uh, you know, despite everything they've gone through, Lake's now 2-0.
0: Good night for the Blue Streaks. I was over in Hoover, and it, it was a it was a great game, but kind of a strange game. The Vikings end up falling to Mansfield, twenty-one to seventeen. The Tigers improved to three and zero. It looked like Hoover might pull away at the end of the first half. They took a ten to seven advantage into the or seventeen to seven advantage into the break and uh, had really dominated the line of scrimmage up front. And it just – a couple big plays in the second half really uh, turned it around there for Mansfield. uh, On the first uh, possession of the second half, Miles Bradley got loose on a screen play for 80 yards, and that was a touchdown on the next possession. They throw the trick play with the wide receiver screen, and then the receiver threw it to Bradley again for 61 yards and a touchdown. Vikings had some chances to win it in the fourth quarter. They go all the way down to the one-yard line with three minutes to go, and fourth and one, they get stopped. And they get another chance. They get it down to the five-yard line, and with five seconds on the clock, they throw the pass. It looks like the receiver's open for just a second. But the the pass came out. Uh, the It kind of the wind held it up a little bit, and that was enough for Mansfield to recover and knock it away. But a, a really dramatic game. And it's not often you see a team with minus 40 rushing yards win a game, but that's what happened. Mansfield could not – could not get anything going they got sacked seven times they have a really good quarterback but he had no time they were just all over him and that's why i thought hoover might just kind of blow the the doors off in the second half but those quick little screen plays kind of neutralized the pass rush in those situations and uh it was it was a tough one in more ways than one for Hoover head coach Brian Baum. He ended up uh, tearing his calf muscle, trying to call a, a timeout running down the sideline. So he was in the trainer's room and came out in the walking boot to talk to me after the game. So, I mean, just a tough night all over. Vikings 1-2, but, I mean, they looked really good here. That's going to be a, a tough one to
2: swallow. Yeah, when your defense plays that well and uh, – you know you still uh you still come up uh still come up short that that's got it that had to be real disheartening for them oh
0: absolutely it was a really great defensive effort they also forced mansfield fumbles on the first two drives just took it away from them and i mean the defense was really impressive uh the passing game hoover just uh, couldn't quite get it going tonight they only had 23 passing yards and That was kind of the the struggle for them, and at the end they they got it down there and had an opportunity, but unfortunately didn't go their way. Uh, Staying inside the Federal League tonight, guys, we have some thoughts on McKinley, the Bulldogs, and Antonio Hall come away with the first win. Well, you know, after
2: playing uh, really two tough teams and probably not playing as well as Antonio Hall had hoped for last week against Fitch, that's that's a real big win for for McKinley uh, to go down to Huber Heights, Wayne, and uh, and defeat them. It was a big night for uh, Trayton Mackey and Chris Williams. They uh, they ran the ball hard, uh, you know, and you know was able to help McKinley build. Uh, build an early lead, and and now look, guys, you know, now McKinley's got a lot of confidence going into what will be their Federal League opener next week against Perry, and, and Perry, for the third straight week, I don't think I've ever seen this, whether it's at the start of the season or in the middle of the season, Perry plays... An overtime game for the third straight week, and they lose to north royalton twenty one to twenty so uh, that that's going to be a big uh, that's going to be a big federal league opener for both teams and Chris, we definitely want to go to you on
0: these two games uh, obviously, the McKinley bulldogs always a topic over there in Maslin and uh, Perry right up your alley there as well.
1: Well, let's we start with McKinley because, you know, that's a really talented Wayne team. I know they have two or three kids who are who are getting, you know, heavy looks, like top of the Power Five looks, uh, the Big Ten SEC kind of looks. Uh, so to go down there, you know, and, and it says a lot about just the, the team itself because, you know, like Mike said, you know, you take a couple of tough beatings early in the first two games after kind of the offseason you've had. It would be easy to let the confidence just sort of, you know, gradually drain out, but you go on the road and, and you take care of business there. I'm I'm really interested to see how this team now, going forward, how they perform uh, against opponents, you know, they you know, they're going to face some good opponents in the league, but I don't know if you're going to face. You're not going to face many as good as the three you face. You know, coming in, coming into league play, and then you know, with Perry, it's just like it, again. You know, I'm trying to piggybacking off Mike. I you know, I, I wrote in the takeaway coming out of last week that you know. OT seems like the only way to go in, uh, for Perry. Not, not thinking they would actually have his third consecutive overtime game. Uh, I mean, it, it's got to be some sort of record. I mean, I don't know. I would have to go back and look and look through the archives, but not just in, in Stark County, but all of Ohio. I mean, how many times do you end up in overtime? Three straight weeks. Let alone the first three weeks of the regular season. That's you know, if you're Zach Slade you know you have to just going to be banging your head against the wall thinking they could just as easily be three and zero as they are one and two right now. So it's uh, it's an amazing uh, amazing uh, start in a lot of ways for for the Panthers.
2: Well, the good news for Perry is when next week's game against McKinley goes into overtime, they're due to win because it was loss, win, loss. Now they're due for a win then.
1: Well, you know, if there is anybody in the Federal League who actually has McKinley's number, it's Perry. I mean, That's true. Perry has been like kryptonite with uh, against um, against the Bulldogs over the last decade or so. So, you know, <laughs> You've got all sorts of things colliding next week uh, in that game. That, that I'm going to be fascinated to see how thing, how it turns out.
0: And just to throw out really quickly to round out the Federal League, Jackson got a 20-14 to win over Boardman tonight, and that was a big win there for the Polar Bears. And we're going to move along now. Uh, another game that is your, du- your direction, Chris. South Range defeated Central Catholic tonight, 42-20. The Raiders build up a 28-point first-half lead in that one. Uh, another tough game there for the Crusaders. They play a, a really difficult schedule.
1: Yeah, and, you know, talking to – I actually talked to Jeff Lindesmith, uh, the Central Catholic head coach, earlier this and He said – he goes, you know, then this is after they have played Perry in Norway, mind you. He said, we're about to play our toughest opponent yet. So, you know, I, I think I think uh, Jeff knew going into this game that this is a really good team and it won't be the last really good team they've seen. I mean, they still got – You know, teams like New Philly and Jackson and others down the road. But, you know, yeah, I mean, you thought coming out of that that game that went over Perry in the opener that, you know, boy, this Central Catholic team can be really, you know, set up for some big things that it, it seems like since that fourth quarter last week it's just it, it's sort of been a struggle for him so I, i'll be curious to see how they how they sort of recover here in the next week
0: something to definitely keep an eye on and we had worcester defeat Louisville 16 to 14 over in Louisville. the leopards again took this one down to the wire they had the lead But Gregory Adams caught a touchdown with just a minute four left, and that ended up being the deciding factor. I know uh, Louisville and Coach Davis, they were pretty frustrated after last last week against Poland. They had a couple of drives inside the the Poland 10-yard line that netted zero points and another kind of heartbreaking loss tonight. So a very difficult night for Louisville there. And in case you're wondering, the Ridgewood regular season winning streak is still going on. They defeated Marlington 57-14 to tonight. Gabe Tingle threw two touchdowns, ran for two touchdowns. That's 44 in a row. In the regular season,
2: I think that's probably bad news for the Intervalley Conference if uh, Ridgewood is able to handle Marlington that way. Because I think we we would all agree that Marlington is a good team, and and you know that's that's a that's a striking score in in my eyes.
0: Yes, and I I know Marlington's rushing numbers weren't great, but they only had twelve attempts and were playing from behind. I think you can just kind of throw that one out. Tonight, I know that's something they were looking to get on track, but circumstances kind of dictated that game. Mike, how about this one? Fairless 43, Claymont 0. That is a big win for the Falcons. It's the best start to a season since 2013.
2: Yeah, it was kind of expected I would think uh you know Claremont's uh, program it's it's been struggling and when you know you're you're fearless and you start the season with a an emotional win over Sandy Valley and a and a big win over uh Tuskegee Valley last week uh yeah, you really just need to go down and uh take care of business and uh you know that's uh, like you said. They're a three and and0 start, first time in in almost uh, a decade. And uh, you know they'll uh, you know they're going to hope to win the uh, the Pac Seven this 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 year. And uh, they're going to have to start out with uh, you know one of uh, another one of the league's contenders, uh, Northwest, next week uh, in Pac Seven play. Although, Northwest coming off a uh, a loss tonight, uh, 34-7 to a former uh, league uh, uh, rival, Canton South. I think uh, we all knew, you know, Canton South was was really good. I don't know, maybe to the extent of how good, you know, they were. I didn't were. think
0: 27 points better
2: tonight. That definitely did surprise me a bit. Right. You know, they, they had beaten Akron North and they had beaten Claymont really well, but... Uh, yeah, this was, I think, a, a measuring stick to see, you know, how good they really are, and, and I think they really proved
0: it. I think Canton South, just looking at the rest of the Eastern Buckeye Conference right now, Alliance fell to and 3 after the loss to Bedford. I'd imagine, I mean, West Branch is also off to a really good start. They defeated uh, Windless Revere. I think you got to be looking at those two teams, kind of like you were last year, at least going into the race. Now, once you get in there – uh, strange things can happen. I wouldn't write Marlington off yet either because that's a really talented team with a lot of guys that can do some damage. And, Chris, one, one I wanted to get your opinion on Tuslaw. They get their first win of the year tonight. They defeated Tuskegee Valley 40-14. to
1: <laughs> It seems like Tuskegee Valley is uh, is the perfect sound for the Mustangs. Uh... The last couple of years, last year they were there only when uh, you know one in seven seasons they they, they beat uh, Tusky Valley then and then you know I, I think this year they really looked at Tuscola was really circling this game because. They jump right into the league next week with try with Tryway, and then they go to the North. They play Northwest in back-to-back weeks. to open Pack seven play. So I-, I know talking to uh, head coach Matt Garling this week, he was he had sort of circled this game as the kid, the-, the one day his team really needed to win. And the big thing about them is they've gotten great running. Rushing from Jeremy Strong over the course of the first three three weeks this year. You know, he had 118 yards and a couple of touchdowns tonight. He's rushed for more than 300 yards in the first two games combined. So, you know, he's well over 400 yards rushing on the season for three games. And, you know, if you could just get some passing to go with it, you know, the Mustangs could be could make some you know make life difficult for a team that you, you know, you're not ready for them uh, in the Pac-7. But but at least if nothing else, good for them to, to get that win. You know, and get that first win. You know, before going into league play.
0: And to wrap up this edition of the Friday Night Ohio podcast, wanted to check in with Mike and Sandy Valley. The Cardinals get a 44 to 20 win over
2: Chippewa. Well, if you missed uh, Mason Tucci's uh, highlight film game last week, uh, you had another chance to see one tonight. I mean, this kid has been unbelievable for Sandy Valley early in the season. Um, he caught touchdown passes totaling 48 and 64 yards tonight, and he 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 also returned a fumble 96 yards for a touchdown. That marked his second defensive touchdown uh, in as many weeks. Uh, now, one thing we're going to have to watch, and uh, I, I don't know any specific details, uh, both Nick Petro and Ben Petro played quarterback uh, for Sandy Valley tonight. Uh, it appeared that Ben Petro got most of the reps. He was uh, 5 of 7 passing, 151 yards, and the two touchdown passes to Tuti. He also ran for 156 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, ben Petro was the uh, backup quarterback to uh, Cameron Blair. A couple of years ago, and like I said, we'll we'll follow up to see what the story is this week. But uh, Sandy Valley, this was a this was a bit of a tight game uh, for them. Uh, late in the third quarter, their lead was uh, twenty-eight to twenty, and then they ended the game on a sixteen-run. So two straight wins for Sandy Valley, and they're now two and one. All right, gentlemen, this is the first time in recent memory I can
0: think of we've had three games in before Labor Day, but we have reached the holiday weekend. The teams have reached the holiday weekend, and when we start back up, we've talked about it. We're looking at league play.
2: That's right. Yeah, some teams open league play next week, Uh, some, I think, Maybe they get one more non-league game going in. Uh, I think uh, McKinley and Perry might be the only Federal League game because McKinley has to play a week earlier because of the Week 10 game against Maslin. And, you know, we mentioned some uh, league games involving Pac-7 teams. So, uh, yeah, the uh, the big games of the season are going to be starting real soon here. All
0: right, and again, thanks for joining us tonight. It is another early morning edition of the Friday Night Ohio podcast, so we will probably catch you around this time next week. For Cliff Hickman, Mike Popovich, and Chris Easterling, we'd like to thank you for listening and invite you back. Have a great week, and we'll try to catch you Tuesday for the preview edition, so be sure to stay tuned for that.